Hi, this is Chris Campbell, and welcome to the Food Institute Podcast. This week, we welcome back Lisa Gable, CEO of Food Allergy Research and Education, better known as FAIR, and we're going to be speaking about sesame labeling, the FASTER Act, and food allergies in general. But first, whether you are a first-time listener or becoming something of a regular, we ask that you share this episode on your social media platforms. Helps us expand our reach, and we really appreciate it when you do so. And I should also note that we are now available on Spotify and Apple iTunes, so take a look for us there. If those are your platforms of choice, please subscribe and share those episodes as well. So with all of that said, I'll introduce Lisa, and I'll start off by asking her how she's doing today. So how are you, Lisa? I am great, and Chris, I so appreciate your having me back. Well, we really are excited about this one, and I know when we first talked back in May, we kind of discussed the Food Allergy Safety Treatment Education and Research Act, and that is the FASTER Act, and I'd like to get into that conversation a little bit more, but first, I think for those who didn't listen to the first episode, do you mind giving a little bit of a background on yourself, just so that they have a better idea of where you're coming from? Sure. Well, I appreciate your asking. As background for some of your listeners, I come from the food and beverage uh, world. It's one of the reasons I was asked to uh, become the CEO of FAIR is because I've worked with many of the companies and uh, grocery stores uh, on these important issues. And can you also give us a brief description of what the FASTER Act is? The FASTER Act adds sesame as the ninth major allergen. It would prioritize food allergy research, develop more effective treatments, and ultimately a cure for food allergies. And I think this might be a good chance to kind of remind our listeners of what those nine major allergens are. So obviously you have sesame, but could you round out the listing just so everyone that's listening here knows exactly what we're talking about? Sure. It's peanut, milk, shellfish, tree nut, egg, thin fish. Those are fishes, fish with fins, wheat, soy, and sesame. So those are, those are the top nine allergens that have the largest propensity of anaphylaxis. Thanks for taking that quick detour, Lisa, but could you also jump back into what the FASTER Act means for people with food allergies? It's a really big deal for us because for our community, it represents more than 1.5 million Americans who are allergic to sesame. Those are people that can go into anaphylaxis if they accidentally ingest sesame. And FAIR has been advocating for the passage of the FASTER Act for nearly two years uh, but we're excited to be at the stage we're at now. So I guess we can jump in and just kind of ask, you know, back in May when we were talking about it, I know you were working with Congress just to try to push this law through. I was wondering, what is the current status of the bill uh, today? We're in a great place. It unanimously passed in the House, H.R. 2117 on November 17th, and a similar version of the bill unanimously passed in the Senate on December 9th, uh, that Senate Bill 3451. So to see both of these versions of the bill move forward so so quickly is just an amazing achievement as it usually takes a lot of sessions, several sessions for legislation to move through Congress. The Fast Track has actually uh, taken 19 months. And what I'd like to point out on the Senate is on the Senate side, uh, it was actually introduced on March 12th. I remember that date because it's the day before my birthday. Uh, so it was introduced then and to have it voted out on the 9th is just incredible for us. And it's a testament to the amazing hard work of our food allergy advocates. We had 150 50 of them flying into Washington right before the shutdown happened. It was one of the last series of meetings that happened. And uh, they've been doing virtual meetings with their uh, congressional members. So we just appreciate the hard work of all the members of the FAIR community. And I think it's kind of interesting, especially in a year that's had, you know, 
I guess you could say that legislation has not been pushed forward on a lot of fronts this year, and a lot of the news cycle has kind of cycled around that. So I do think it's very noteworthy that, you know, the Senate version of this bill, it only took, looking at March, you know, nine months, give or take, to push it there. So do you think this is, uh, you know, factor of it being so universally accepted? Do you think a lot of Congress now taking a look at it just kind of sees the importance of adding sesame to the ranks of all the other food allergens? I think that's part of it. But I also think it is that we focused on delivering up a skinny bill that would be able to get bipartisan support. I mean, we really focused our bill and analyzed it in advance to see if members of the Republican Party and the Democratic Party and both the House and the Senate uh, could move this quickly. And I think that we crafted something that is not only a moment where you're seeing more recognition of food allergies, we have incredibly committed co-sponsors with Doris Matsui bringing it forward. And then we have co-sponsors from both houses. However, it's a skinny bill. And so so I think it's one reason it went quite fast. So speaking of the bill, what are the next steps for the bill? I know you said that we have versions in the House and the Senate. So are we in the reconciliation process currently? We are. It goes back to the House of Representatives for consideration. If they pass this version uh, before the end of the legislative session, then it goes to the president's desk for review. And hopefully it gets signed into law. And we would be pretty darn proud if our bill was that big bipartisan effort that got signed into law during 2020. Yeah, I think it would be a win for the country at this point, you know, having some kind of bipartisan support for things, but also it's going to be a win for consumers in my mind. So I guess we can kind of shift into that question. Why does FAIR think that this legislation is really so important for consumers overall? Well, there are more than 1.5 million people who are allergic to sesame, but it's not required to be included on product labels. And the Fast Track changes that. You know, one of the things that we know is that sesame can be a hidden um a hidden ingredient, which means that it's not always something that you automatically think about being in something. And so for a lot of people, they're actually surprised that sesame is in hummus or tahini, um, or it might be part of a spice mix. And so as sesame has become a more standard ingredient uh, in our foods, and I, I remember when it was being introduced and all of a sudden sort of becoming into the norm, it's not surprising that you would see more people having a reaction to it because it's just more frequent. And so we want to get it labeled. And our team has done just a fabulous job working with our advocates around the country. We were very excited that our own Steve Dannon, who's SVP of External Affairs, and Jason Lindy, who's VP of External Affairs, were both named top lobbyists in the Hill in recognition of uh, the incredible efforts of the food allergy community. So how much of an impact will it have on preventing food allergy-related medical issues? Can you look to the past with other labeling efforts and kind of give an idea of what kind of protection this will give to consumers? Well, these families live in constant fear and anxiety that sesame might be hiding in a food product that they buy that they're not familiar with. And so it allows them to be better informed about an ingredients are in the product and allows them to avoid purchasing things without fully knowing that, that there's sesame in there. And so it's a life-threatening situation when somebody has accidental ingestion of a food to which they are allergic. They can go into anaphylaxis, which means their blood tra- pressure drops, uh, other systems in the body starts uh, breaking down. It could be that they have itchiness, swelling, their throat closes up, uh, they have to take an epinephrine auto-injector and then run to the emergency room. So uh, this is a, a very monumental issue. One thing I should mention is one of the reasons why it became very personal for members of the House is that Talia Day, who is a fair mom, uh, went and testified. And when she talked about how 
frightening it was when her son um, went into anaphylaxis and was in intensive care in the emergency room, almost losing his life. And he's a, he's an elementary school kid. He's a baseball player. He's at summer camp. Uh, when you hear that story and a mom talking about how, and I remember getting texts from the grandparents throughout, they didn't know if he was going to live or not. And so when you hear that, then you recognize how important it is to label some of these ingredients. I would definitely agree. I think this personal aspect of it really kind of can get lost in the news cycle when you're listening and you say, oh, it's only 1.5 million Americans that have this sesame allergy. But there is a, you know, there is a human element to all of this. And I think that that kind of use case coming from the mother of a child with a sesame allergy can definitely kind of move the needle for some people's perceptions. Do you have any other use cases across the U.S. or even across the globe for this kind of labeling that might also kind of drive that uh, point home a little bit? Well, what FAIR did this year is that we worked with um, McKinsey and we brought forward research that was a profile called the Food Allergy Consumer Journey uh, that we did with McKinsey, Northwestern, and Global Strategies Group. And what it showed is that there there are 85 million Americans, one in every four American consumers, avoid purchasing a product with one of the top nine allergens because they or someone in their household is either allergic or intolerant. And that's a big number. And I think when we brought forward that you had 85 million Americans, one in four, that really brought it home to a lot of people who did not realize the magnitude of the problem. And so when you have 53% of Americans, uh, food allergy consumers, saying that current labels are problematic, they interfere with their life, uh, they spend three to five minutes reading a label every time they buy food, uh, that just elevates the fact that this is so critical and we are so appreciative to see uh, this bill moving forward as well as the relationships that we've had on Smart Label, um, working with uh, the Consumer Brands Association and FMI and others as we work together to help solve this problem for, for the consumer. How was FAIR involved in the development of the FDA program? Did you guys have any kind of partnership or is it more just being involved in the public comment period and also just being able to kind of lend your expertise on this? All of the above. We we had thousands and thousands of families who uh, provided comments during that period of time. And so we were having conversations, ongoing conversations with the FDA. We made them aware that Sesame was our ask. I think what is important for your listeners to know is that we actually said, look, Sesame is the most important thing to this community. We're willing to even have a moratorium on any request for two years after Sesame is approved so we can all figure out how to make this process work a little better. So there's a framework. Um, so the guidance is slightly different. Again, it's a voluntary disclosure. Fast Act would make it mandatory. Uh, the guidance was a, a great step in the right direction. We really appreciate Susan Main and her team uh, focusing on the food allergy community, uh, but we need to have Sesame recognized now as the ninth top allergen and the Faster Act would make that happen. So I know that you said that you've been working on uh, the Faster Act and the Sesame labeling, you know, for about six years now at FAIR. So I'm wondering, you know, what's next for FAIR's agenda? What are you looking at next for another allergen? Is there anything else on the horizon that you think that will be legislation pending in the coming years? Um, not specifically legislation. I think we all have to figure out how to best do our business together. And we want to work collaboratively with the government as well as with Congress on making these decisions. There needs to be a framework. I think everybody agrees that we need to have a predictable framework that all of us understand, both the advocacy community as well as um, the manufacturers 
on how decisions made about how something becomes an allergen. And, uh, and so that's really important. Right now, uh, we have a lot of discussion going on about thresholds. Uh, there's a question about you know how many people have to be uh, facing life-threatening anaphylaxis in order for something to become an allergen. So we understand that the system still needs some tweaking and improvements, and that's what we're committed to doing, uh, whether or not some of these happen through a legislative process or through our engagement with government you know, that's to be determined, but we're here to work with everybody and we just appreciate everyone's commitment uh, to working with us to make this happen. Uh, one thing I can tell you is that, you know, the eight allergens make up over 90% of all documented food allergies, but there are more than 160 foods that have been identified to cause allergies to sensitive individuals. Uh, we recognize that uh, labeling on packages is a really small space. And so we know that the manufacturers, you know, really don't have the bandwidth to be labeling everything that's in there. Um, and secondarily is that we know that with smart label and with uh, digital interfaces that we have now with online shopping, that there's an opportunity for us also to engage to clarify and standardize information that the consumer reads. So I'd like to thank you again for your time today, Lisa. We really appreciate you coming on the show. Um, where can Food, Insti uh, Food Institute listeners go to learn more about your organization? They can go to foodallergy.org. That's our primary website, but also we're all over social. Uh, we have a Living Teal channel on YouTube, which is uh, great and fun, uh, incredible content. Uh, secondarily, we are on Instagram, Facebook, uh, Twitter, TikTok, LinkedIn, you name it, we're there. Uh, we would love to engage with you. So send us notes, send us messages, and we look forward to discussion. That sounds good. And we'll definitely share the relevant links in the description of this episode. So remember, if you're new to the Food Institute podcast, please follow, like, and share. If you'd like to learn more about the Food Institute, please take a look at the links in our description to learn more about us and what membership could do for you and your company. So until next time, this is Chris Campbell signing off. Mm -hmm.